0: trying to improve representation in open source. We're trying to take it away from being this thing that only a very specific demographic has the time or ability to really get involved in. We want everyone to see themselves in open source. Themes are an old concept, but Gatsby's putting a remix on them. Somebody who spends a ton of time contributing to open source, we want to call that out in a specific way. We put it in our core values that taking care of the community is like thing number one.
1: Welcome to the installment of Jamstack Radio. On the line, we got Jason Lingsdorf. Uh, you're here and you're from Gatsby. You want to introduce yourself?
0: <laughs> yeah, my name's Jason. I'm part of the DevRel team at Gatsby. been doing that for a while now. Prior to that, I worked as a front-end architect at IBM. And I've been kind of all over the industry. Worked as a, an engineer designer. I've worked in like admin sales management. And now I'm out doing the, the community building thing.
1: Excellent. So we've had an entire episode about Gatsby. We had Kyle on. It might have been pre-1.0 or maybe just after 1.0 is when he was on. I wanted you to come on to talk about working in the Open because Gatsby is an open source project, Yeah, as many people might already know or maybe not know. So I want to talk about like how that structure sort of works and like what your role plays into it and how the team sort of collaborates with all these other open source contributors.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: Can we start off with what's new this year?
0: Yeah, so we're at two point seven something now. And we've added a ton of new features. There's a really good overview of the difference between version 1 and version 2 written up on the blog, so I won't go too deep into that. And instead, we can just dive into some of the more exciting stuff in version 2. Specifically, we've been working on a lot of improvements to the way that GraphQL works under the hood, which gives theme developers or people who are kind of doing lower-level stuff... A whole lot of control over the Gatsby experience. You can do things like set a specific type for your content so that when people go to use that content, even if it's an empty result, it doesn't throw errors. Or if you wanted to find kind of a generic way of accessing content, so instead of using MDX or WordPress or whatever, you could just query like all blog posts and get that data. We've got the underlying technology there to do that now. So it's really powerful. It's it's really exciting. It's mostly exciting if you're building ambitious Gatsby stuff. Like on the day to day, most people won't ever need or want to deal with this. And then another thing that we've got going that's really interesting is this concept of themes. Themes are an old concept, but Gatsby's putting a remix on them, and and I would say making them a little more powerful than what the standard take on themes might be.
1: Yeah. How so? I'm familiar with like WordPress themes and et cetera, And like picking stuff off the shelf how is this a little more powerful like what's the
0: the selling point i mean the most specific selling point is that a gatsby theme is actually just an encapsulated gatsby site so what that means kind of in practice is that the person who is building a theme can kind of run that theme standalone you can package up website functionality you can package up you know styling which is kind of the standard thing but you can also package up data access you can package up other plugins you can package up business logic if you want to. And then the extendability model of this is done in such a way that you're able to actually compose themes. So with WordPress, you sort of have a theme composability model where you've got a parent theme and this concept of child themes. And so if you look at that as like vertical composition, I'm going to take a theme and I'm going to extend it. Gatsby also introduces the idea of horizontal composition where I could install a blog theme and an e-commerce theme and any number of additional themes to add more functionality to the site. And then on top of those, I can vertically compose in like my styling rules to make sure that the colors and typography and all those other pieces work the way that we expect them to. So it's a really, really powerful model, and it's something that we're extremely excited about. We're hoping to see a lot more of what the community does when they're able to pick that up and run with it.
1: Excellent. And that's a, that's a recent addition, themes uh, into 2.0, is that correct?
0: Yeah, themes came out probably, I mean, they've been experimental for a few months now. We are very, very close to hitting stable. Everything in the API itself is stable, but the docs aren't done yet, which is why we haven't announced it as like a stable thing. Okay,
1: that's pretty fair for the community, especially since you're working out in the open. Yeah. Uh, which I want to talk a little bit about. So speaking of open source communities... I know now that Gatsby, since the last time Gatsby was on, like Gatsby is now a legit company, um, has goals, and I, think, I believe VC funded too as well. So curious, of how do you operate as an open source company with a community that's now also
0: building themes and et cetera? So the way that we look at it is that Gatsby, the company... Is a parallel entity with the open source project. And our goal is to kind of build the things that are hard or expensive to do with an open source project. And typically, stuff is going to require infrastructure and management and kind of the, the things that would be really, really difficult to do in any kind of open source way. So, for example, the first thing that we're building is a product called Preview, which is a way for people who aren't developers. To have a cloud-hosted instance of their Gatsby site where when they make content changes, they can see draft previews of that on the site at a secret shareable URL with password protection and kind of collaboration rules in place so that they're able to share around drafts before they publish things, which you know, for developers, that's a pretty common thing. You can get a you know a staging environment or a branch preview in Netlify or whatever it is you want to do. But for CMSs, headless cmss often don't have that functionality out of the box and so you would have to build that in house or set up your own infrastructure to make that work and that just it gets kind of cumbersome and expensive so gatsby preview is intended to like smooth that process make it easier and definitely be cheaper than you know hiring somebody to manage your own internal preview instance. We're doing the same thing with like our build system. We want people to be able to do massive Gatsby builds that run incrementally and there's infrastructure required for that. We need to be able to spin up multiple cores and kind of run parallel processes and there's a lot of computational intensity there. So getting those up and managed it would be expensive to do in house, so we're going to offer a, a kind of a hosted solution for that that people can pay for. But what that means for the open source project is that you know all of those things are theoretically possible. With the open source project, you would just have to stand up all that infrastructure and manage it yourself. So our hope is that we can do things that would be a pain to do on your own and to manage on your own team in a way that makes it less expensive than it would be to do it in-house yeah. and in a way that's officially supported so that you don't have to dedicate any time to it. Okay, I appreciate you
1: sort of lining up and explaining that too, the distinction. Uh, It makes a lot of sense. Like if, uh, let's say a large enterprise or even just a company that wants to take their project seriously, not that if you use the open source version of Gatsby that you're not taking yourself seriously, but you want to have some sort of confidence in the tools. Infrastructure is going to be something that you are going to get a lot of people who are super excited about building that in the open source. Mm -hmm. It also requires a lot of domain-specific knowledge. And coming from a team like Netlify, I totally understand that that sort of structure, that two-tier structure. So I'm curious, how do you maintain the open-source project and the open while also listening, keeping the ear to the ground for what is needed for the paid users?
0: It turns out there's a lot of really good, what's the buzzword, synergy here. They feed each other because yeah. we have full-time core maintainers whose job it is specifically to watch the issues address bugs as they come in make sure that people feel welcome and, and heard in the community and then when we see the same issues surfacing over and over again you know every time we get an issue around this problem people are asking for X Y and Z which we can't solve with open source tech it's like you need to set up a server for that or you need to kind of create some other solution to solve that problem then that gets filtered up to our product teams and we start looking at like well is there a way that we could solve that that is would make sense as a product. Is there a way that we can generically solve this problem? And in the case of preview, yeah, there was. And and in the case of some of the other stuff that we're working on that we're hoping to release soon, you know, these are are things that we repeatedly saw coming through open source channels where people were saying, "I don't know how to do this," or "We need to do this," and Gatsby doesn't support it. So we want to find ways to add that support for, like I said, you know, we want it to be cheaper than it would be to do it in
1: house. That sounds pretty legitimate too, as well, and like. I wanted to touch base too on this uh, really cool thing that I've seen Gatsby do for a while, which is the open source contributions end up getting like a special consolation for their contribution. Mm-hmm. Do you want to talk about that and like where that came from?
0: Yeah. So we look at the community as being probably the most important part of Gatsby as a company. Nobody would care at all about Gatsby if it wasn't for the fact that the developer community is rallying around it. So we want to take it really seriously. We consider our community to almost be the most important part of our company. And so by looking at the way that the community operates and what it means to be involved in open source, we put it in our core values that taking care of the community is like thing number one. So we do that by baking it into our company values you know one of our core values that we that we repeat over and over again is you belong here and we do that in the spirit of like no matter what your level of experience is with open source, if you're a first time contributor or like an OG contributor, we want you in the Gatsby community and we want you here. Whether you're doing like if you're going to label issues for us, that's super helpful. Fix typos, super helpful. Add features, yes, we love that. So we want people involved and we want people to do that. And to try to recognize and appreciate people who take the time to do that, we wanted something that felt like being part of the team being an appreciated member of the community. So we do that in two ways. The the first one is anybody who contributes a pull request to Gatsby as soon as it gets merged we give you contributor access to the the Gatsby org. That means that you have the ability to like label issues, you can merge certain PRs. We have code owners in place for like really critical bits of the code so that you know we don't obviously we have to make sure that somebody can't come in and like do damage to the repo. And it's Git, like you always have the ability to roll back and stuff. But basically yeah. you get that merged, you become a contributor and you have a lot of access. You get added to a private group on GitHub where you can talk to the other maintainers. We do special announcements for like limited edition stuff or or things that we're only sharing with like a small group for testing in that private channel. So maintainers get access to insider information. And the other side of that is we'll also send you a, a discount code so that you can claim free swag from our store. And so on your first contribution, the $10 item, so like a t-shirt, a hat, socks, we've got a dress and a silk scrunchie now, like a lot of you know cool swag that we've gotten made for Gatsby. And we want you as a contributor to be able to get something you know to show like, hey, I'm part of the Gatsby community and then if you contribute a lot like at the fifth contribution we'll send you another discount code that gives you access to like the higher dollar amount stuff like you know hoodies and and vacuum sealed travel mugs and some other stuff along those lines so you know it's it's kind of a way of saying like hey we see you and we noticed and we really deeply appreciate that you're taking your time to contribute to the open source community
1: no oh, yeah that's super valid and like not not to uh Put a limitation on like what you guys are doing, like it's it's definitely like the subway card thing back in the day where where you'd come back every week or whatever it was, get your card punch. And it sounds like it's that sort of thing that loyalty branding building up with the Gatsby community. Cause like once you clone the repo and once you've done your first contribution and maybe you're working towards your fifth or your tenth or whatever it is to get that next tier, like as you're working there, you're becoming another integral part of the community. You're you have that, that domain specific knowledge or you own this sort of like you don't own it, but you basically know this portion of the code base. So that way when you're in the, the Slack group, like the strategy is it's it seems real. I don't know if Kyle or somebody else on the team like used to work at Subway, but like <laughs> I, I think the the approach of what you're doing, I think is pretty unique. And I think it's pretty awesome that you that you put the value and you put any money into that.
0: Yeah. I mean, we kind of look at it as like I was kind of the, I guess the architect of this setup and when i was putting it together the goal was to say like we appreciate everyone and then make sure that people who are like really putting the time in also get appreciated for putting that time in because you know i i know that and this is where it starts to get weird because you don't necessarily want to say like you know we put a dollar amount on your contributions because that makes it weird and yeah. mercenary and that's not right but at the same time like somebody who spends a ton of time contributing to open source We want to call that out in a specific way. And the only metric that we have at the moment is to say, well, you've done five pull requests. Like you're clearly invested in this community. So it's not going to be like one and then five and then 10 and and things like that. What we're actually working toward is more of a, like we want to create visibility in the community. So it would be closer to like, Scout badges, so you know when you, when like kids go to the scouts and they can get like their knot tying badge and their their canoeing badge and that kind of stuff. Yeah. We want to create something sort of similar in the Gatsby community where like we'll recognize people who are docs experts and someone who has a, a specific understanding of GraphQL or who is an educator and you know find ways to let them share what they're doing in those particular avenues and show their expertise in some way and then recognize them with you know maybe we we have a profile that they can share that shows what they've contributed to the community access to like limited edition stuff like one of the things that I would love to do is I don't know if we're going to do exactly this but like a hat or an enamel pin or like a letterman jacket that you can only get by doing certain things in the community. Like if you run a workshop for Gatsby, I would love to send you something that the only way you can get it is that. So it's like, it's very clearly, you, know, you belong inside of this like very elite group of people who go out and teach the community and and are sharing what you've learned. I love that idea because it means a lot to me. You know, I have this, this mug that I got that it's a really silly mug, but it's got a picture of my face on it, right? And I got this from a conference and they got one done for every speaker. And it's like, I'm sure that the material cost of that mug was very low. But the value of it to me, knowing that like, somebody took the time to notice and care that I showed up and create something that was like, I had to do the work to get the thing. You know, it, had, it has a lot of like emotional, like, sentimental value for me. And I love that idea of like building communities, not necessarily based on the material value, but on the community value. Of doing it it's it's a, a matter of prestige and belonging and exclusivity. like I did the work and it's an achievement. It's not like a you know you're not punching a card. you're ratcheting up in your own skill and ability and public contributions yeah so
1: I'm curious uh, since you're onboarding, it sounds like you're onboarding quite a few different contributors on a regular basis or I guess on a consistent basis. Yeah. What's the onboarding path for new contributors? Like, is there a welcome email or onboarding experience, or is
0: it they just show up? We have a limited onboarding experience. So we just crossed 2,000 contributors, which we're super excited about. Nice. And the way that we've been doing this is we have a page on the Gatsby site for contributors, which is an overview of how to contribute to the Gatsby project. And that goes into what different types of contributions are, how to set up the repo, how to open pull requests, and our writing style guide if you're touching our docs or writing a blog post. All sorts of things that you would need to know if you were doing certain types of of contributions. We have an email that you'll get after you join that'll send you a link to open issues and different ways to get involved. Uh, We have open source pair programming hours where you can sign up for an hour with somebody on the Gatsby team and we'll walk through kind of getting you up and running or working on your first contribution or or building a Gatsby project.
1: That's really nice.
0: So we, we draw the line at consulting, but you can get an hour of our time to get up and running in open source. Yeah. It's it's not like a really elaborate onboarding, but we tried to make a, a clear portal that if you're interested in contributing, this is where you should go. And that'll kind of give you threads to tug at in a lot of different directions.
1: That's a big deal, because I uh, so I just came off a weekend uh, where we did a hackathon. Uh, essentially, it wasn't a hackathon, it was a hack day okay. on open source contributions. And I think the, the biggest thing we realized, so basically the, the historically black colleges in Atlanta, they have a, a specific fraternity that sort of goes across all of them. So we met at one of their spaces, and we had all the students come in, and then we taught about how to contribute to open source. And then we had some maintainers actually talk about the projects there. And then we basically kicked it off with, here's some like issues. Try these first, but you're not limited to these. Mm. And we ended up having a good amount of PRs opened up. But I think the biggest hurdle was context. And though we could provide for at least four projects we could provide on this on-site help and context from those projects, mm-hmm. it was challenging for any project outside of those four projects to provide that context. And I think, what you do even if it's limited onboarding the fact that you talk to somebody and you sort of coach them on the where where is what and what is it and what this is mm-hmm. outside of just like reading a contributing md doc because i think that's great but sometimes the context doesn't always transfer over especially if it's old and outdated but i think if more projects did this i think open source would be way more accessible to a lot of other demographics and engineers and i think we wouldn't have this uh Ability to sort of own open source, uh, specifically, only certain people can do open source really well, and other people can never have time or the bandwidth to even attempt. Yeah. So I appreciate your, you sharing your insight to that. Yeah.
0: And to kind of add on to what you were just saying there, one of the things that's really hard about getting started is always context. Like, even with all the docs that you would read for Gatsby and the onboarding, like understanding a big piece of code that's been iterated on for months or years, you're never going to be able to just step in and go. And so I love it when people label things with like good first issue because that implies that all the relevant context is available and the issue is small enough that you don't necessarily need a lot of context or history. But a lot of times too, like what I find is the best way to get involved in open source is as you're working on a thing, every time you get stuck, just submit a pull request to the docs that adds the extra context that would have helped you not get stuck. And that's where you build the context. And not everybody's going to have time to like really go deep. But like, if I'm doing something for work and I see a, a thing in the docs that would help me, that 15 minutes that I'll spend opening that pull request, that may be the only 15 minutes I ever spend on that project. But it's helpful and it means a lot. Excellent. So, Jason,
1: I appreciate you uh, sort of providing some insight to the open source community and how it sort of managed and how you interact with it. Anything else uh, you maybe want to cover that we we didn't touch base on?
0: I mentioned that we are trying to be more welcoming toward new contributors so if you are thinking about open source and you you aren't trying to find the time or how to get started I would really really urge you to go and take advantage of that open source pairing or to reach out to us on Twitter, because we really do want to get people involved. We're trying to improve representation in, in open source. We're trying to take it away from being this thing that only a very specific demographic has the time or ability to really get involved in. So we you know, we want everyone to see themselves in open source. So please reach out to us. Like, Let us be the, the springboard to get you going. Excellent. So yeah, with
1: that being said, I'm going to transition
0: us to picks.
1: These are jam picks, stuff that gets us going could be music, food, technology, all of the above, nothing's off limits. And uh, if you don't mind, Jason, I uh, I thought of my picks as we were talking earlier, because uh, I remember we had chatted before booking this call that I was going to Berlin for GitHub Satellite, which was a great event. You should definitely check out the keynote and all that stuff and check all those boxes. But the best thing I think about Berlin was the amount of Turkish food that I had oh. and the kebabs. And, uh, yeah so they have this thing called a Donner kebab, which I guess it's it's a European thing. It comes from the the Turkish family of foods. And like I, I'm very familiar. with like Greek food because the neighborhood I grew up in had a lot of uh, a, a strong Greek population. So I saw a lot of familiarities with that, but like mm-hmm. going to a kebab shop or just a restaurant and sitting down was like amazing. So my second pick is actually it's gonna be real weird. It's gonna be German raves, um, mainly because um, we had an event. So part of the GitHub Satellite, there was an event that we had all the maintainers come in and we had a little happy hour and we chatted with them. It was like the day before the maintainer audio event. So we did this and the bouncer for the venue that we were at had invited me and my coworker to a, a rave that happened the next night slash morning. <laughs> so in Berlin, and I know you spent some time in, uh, in Europe and, and in uh, Berlin, but like the raves start at 1 a.m. and they go till 10 a.m. Okay, And uh, we ended up having a flight that was 6 a.m., So because it was so early, like the fear of sleeping in and missing the flight was pretty high. So we're like, hey, we just go to this rave thing, see what it's like, and just go to the airport after. So that's exactly what we did. So we ended up going to this rave, which um, like no judgment, but it was definitely way different than anything I've ever experienced. Um, It was like EDM music in a room where everybody's two-stepping very awkwardly to... Music. And I think uh, the beginning of the night was not as good as later in the night when it got good. And that was like literally the time when we had to leave. We had to leave at 4 a.m. to catch the flight. But yeah, it was quite an experience. I do recommend anybody who's in Europe, like, check out the music scene. If you're American, at least, it's going to be a little bit different than anything you've probably experienced. So, oh, and also on top of that, to tie this in, right after, before we hit the airport, we actually stopped at a Turkish restaurant. We sat down, we were the last, for whatever reason, they were still taking customers at 4 a.m., so we sat down, Please. had br- basically breakfast, but it was like kebabs and this amazing, like what I could basically, they called it red sauce, I think. I'm not sure how it translated, but uh, it was basically salsa, nice little mm-hmm. spicy salsa, and it was amazing on top of the the lamb and the chicken kebabs. So yeah, those are my picks. That was pretty intense. It was pretty deep, but I highly recommend Enjoy yourself in Berlin if you ever get out there.
0: I love that. I too am a big fan of the donor kebab. That's that's one of my favorite. Like, oh, we're we're like walking between places and we need to eat dinner. Great, let's stop and get a kebab. So my picks, let me start by saying probably my one pick right now that's just been stuck in my head for weeks is this song called Deadass by Kemba every time it comes on in my shuffle i'm always like man what is this oh it's that song and it's it's really good so i would i definitely recommend checking that out and then the other thing that i am really excited about is hosting dinner parties so let me give you some context so i've been kind of living in lots of different places for a long time and and i moved to austin in 2017 and then i moved to portland in the beginning of of 2018 so i'm like Barely over a year now, about almost a year and a half in Portland, and we made a decision to like put down roots here. We wanted to actually get involved and like be in the community and have like friends and not just like be in the city and then live everywhere else. So one of the ways that we've started doing that is is we've made some friends, like Joel Hooks and his his wife Christina uh, from Egghead are amazing, like incredible cooks they put on these these really, really good parties. And then our friends, Matt and Leslie, are also incredible cooks. Leslie's one of the most gifted bakers I've ever met. And uh, my partner Marissa and I, we love to cook. And so we invited everybody over to our house and we were like, hey, we'll do the main, you do a side, you do a dessert. And everybody descended on the house and it was like one of the best experiences I've ever had because everybody knows how to cook, everybody loves food. We got weird, we tried like stuff that doesn't make sense. And so we just experiment on each other with, like, oh, I've been wanting to try this recipe. I don't know if it's going to work. Let me feed it to you because you're adventurous and let's see how this goes. And so we've been rotating between people's houses. And it's just such a fun way to like hang out with friends that doesn't feel like, hey, let's go to a bar and get a beer or like, hey, let's like meet for coffee. It's like, no, let's like sit down and do something together that is out of our comfort zone. Like, I'm not a professional cook, but also, not super high stakes, like whatever. If we screw up dinner, we just order pizza, right? So, <laughs> so that that's been a really really fun thing for me, and I feel like it's really helped me. Like making friends as an adult is hard. Yes, and I feel like when I was in Austin, I made some really really good friends. But prior to that, everywhere that I lived, you make like that you make a friend that you're going to see maybe twice in your entire life. So being in a place where you can really connect with people and have like. A story that grows together where you've got shared history and context, and you would call them for help with things, or, or like, you know, they become part of your life as opposed to just an acquaintance. That's been really, really meaningful to me. And, and so uh, I would highly recommend if you are into cooking, uh, try to find other people who are into cooking and try this out because it's been really good for getting involved in my local community, getting me out of my comfort zone, and helping me make some friends.
1: Sounds good. I mean, I am
0: I am very intrigued
1: and I love cooking and I might copy your, your party planning. Please do. So, <laughs> excellent. So with that being said, Jason, again, thanks for chatting about Gatsby, the open source community, dinner parties, listening to my story about German raves and listeners, keep spreading the jam. That's all the time we have for today. If you're interested in being a guest on the show or if you'd like to suggest a topic, find us on Twitter at Jamstack Radio.